Decades ago, my college roommate had a bridal shower in rural eastern North Carolina. I set off on the trip with a bag phone and handwritten directions and got lost. I stopped at a Hardee's for directions and they had no idea where this address was. The bag phone did not have a signal out there, so I had to use a pay phone and no one was picking up the landline at the house where the party was to give me better directions. I did not have a good map, and honestly, I do not have a good sense of maps. That is not my intelligence. And so eventually, I turned around and returned home to Raleigh because I had no way of finding my way to this party. It's really hard to imagine getting lost like that now when we have ready-made GPSs in our pocket or in our hands. And people usually have their phone on their wrist or in their pocket, so if you call, they can hear it. Now, for example, not only do we have these things in our hands and on our wrists to keep us from getting lost, we can find our loved ones on maps with those things. Thursday afternoon, I was sitting on the porch with my daughter as she was preparing to go to soccer practice, and she said, your location setting has been turned off. It's been off for a couple of weeks. It was not, by the way, it just wasn't pinging and updating itself. Another time, the same child said to me, I watched you give a tour on the low line today from her Find My iPhone. A few weeks ago, our oldest got their driver's license, and that same day, we sent them off to go to their first marching band practice, driving alone. (laughs) And a few minutes passed, and my husband and I come around the corner, both of us, face and phone, saying, oh, he's made it to Twin Hickory Road, (laughs) tracing his first journey. The same child is using Life360. Are you all familiar with this? It's an app, and he is sharing it with his friends so you can see where each other are. And here's what else it tells you, how fast you're going in the car. (laughs) I have chosen as a parent not to use that because I don't want to know. And I want to trust. But I recently received a comment from the passenger side of the car saying, so-and-so says you need to slow down. The speed limit on this road is 35. (laughs) All of this is to say, with technology, it's a little harder to get lost on purpose or even by accident. It's even harder to lose our valuables, our pets, and our stuff. You can GPS tag a cat and have that on there. You can air tag your personal possessions. Um, It was funny someone mentioned the jacket. I think we gave the elementary school when my children were that age numerous hoodies that never made it home. I don't know if anybody else has this. On a cold fall morning, they come home in the afternoon without the hoodie. Anyway, technology helps us from being physically lost and in some cases from losing our valuables And yet we know even with air tags and GPS on our phones, maps showing us where our loved ones are, people and things can be lost in plain sight. Ask my kids how often we need to push the find my iPhone button so I can find my iPhone wherever I just recently laid it down and forgotten. It's there lost in plain sight. Knowing physically where you are, knowing physically where something you value or someone you love is does not mean that we or them are not lost, that they are seen, heard, and valued appropriately. Even with all these finding tools, sometimes we 
or others are lost in plain sight on purpose, by choice, through distraction, by wandering, or by being isolated. We're lost in plain sight. Today's stories are about people who are lost in plain sight to one another and to community in Christ. Let's unpack a couple of things about the stories to see how they are lost in plain sight and where we may be too. And keep asking yourself, where am I in this story? Who is lost? Who is seeking? And who is celebrating? So you may be familiar with these parables. There are two, there are two parables of a three-part parable, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. I would note, if you do the math, a little shaky math, um, it's a 1%, 10%, and 100% loss. So it's a tenfold increasing in the loss. 1% on the one sheep out of 100, one coin out of 10, and one son in all his inheritance is 100% loss. Yet, each story has celebration. It doesn't matter the size of the loss and the restoration. There's celebration at the end. The other thing to note is it says Jesus was sitting with sinners and tax collectors. And I read a commentator this week who says that sin in Luke is defined as all who disrupt community and fracture community welfare. I think it's a pretty consistent definition of sin in Luke because if you look at chapter 10 and remember that story, you have a legal expert who asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what is written in the law? And how do you interpret it? That expert says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So rightness, according to Jesus and Luke, is this. Love God, love self, and love neighbor. Therefore, sin is not reflecting that love. Disrupting the welfare of the neighbor or disrupting the community, or doing harm. So sinners, in this case, when we hear tax collectors and sinners, are habitual disruptors of the community's welfare, those who do harm. The sinners, on first read, are the lost in this story. They're the ones who are being sought. The question is, are there other people lost in plain sight? by putting their moral outrage over welcome in this story and thereby harming and disrupting the community? I say yes. There's another theme in this story. It's the joyful feast, the celebration. As Jesus tells these parables, he is at dinner at the table with the community, and each of our restorations includes people gathering the community for a joyful feast. Yet as Jesus is telling this story, sitting at the table are grumblers, expressing their outrage about who Jesus is sitting with and not experiencing the joyful feast of the people of God. And in that outrage, they too are lost and falling into sin. So that's the second folks that are lost in plain sight in the story, the scribes and the Pharisees. We have a lot of imagery of loss. So first, we have the tax collectors and sinners. They are, to us and the audience hearing the story there, the obvious lost items in the story because they failed to regularly witness to God's love of neighbor and self. Then we have the scribes and the Pharisees whose outrage 
and boundaries about rightness have also made them lost from the joy of the celebration and that ability to love God, neighbor, and self. But we also have the lost in the parables, the sheep that wandered away, a misplaced coin that has no ability to even know it's lost, and a son who squanders 100% of his family and money. There are lots of ways in this story to be lost in plain sight, willingly and willfully, by distraction and wandering, and even unaware we're lost. Yet the message is this, all are sought and all are celebrated by the community when restored. Who are you in this story? Let's sit for a moment with the reality that we are each the lost God is seeking. Maybe it's through harmful thoughts and destructive living. Maybe it's through outrage and grumbling, unfriending and unfollowing. Maybe we've wandered away distracted by too many things. Maybe we don't know we need to be found. Maybe we're hoping someone will come and find us. God is seeking the lost, hearing our cry, loving us still. God is faithful still. Let us hope each and call on God to come and find us and welcome us. But let us ponder the other thing, that there are many folks here and in this community who are lost in plain sight, caught up in disruptive and harmful thoughts and practices, blinded by outrage and grumbling, distracted by daily demands, wandering and wondering what is their purpose, clueless that they need to be found, desperate that someone in God's name and grace will find them, welcome them, and celebrate them. God is seeking the lost, hearing their cry, loving them still. God is faithful still. And we are called to take part in that faithfulness, to take part in joyful, frivolous celebrations of people returning, regardless of the magnitude of the return. And like I said, despite all the ways we have to find people, to welcome them, it is still possible to be lost in plain sight. So here are some practices that this passage might be calling us to. In prayer and in community, come to terms with where you are separated from God where you're resisting that tireless and boundless love of God, where you are lost in plain sight. In prayer and in community, begin to seek God's guidance on who here and around us is lost in plain sight. Find out what deep needs, struggles, and fears are in this community and with your neighbors. Do some research and learn where your resources as a community can reach out and serve. In prayer and community, prepare to welcome and think about repentance, turning to God and from disruptive, harmful thoughts and practices. And I will say, the story makes it clear that repentance is not a condition of being sought by God. Repentance is the result of God seeking, loving, and coming towards us that draws us towards God. So 
God's love is not dependent on those things in this story. So think about the ways that personally and communally this community might need to change to fully be open and reflect God's love. And most importantly, in prayer and community, celebrate. God is seeking us. We are not lost from God. God will not forsake us. Live a life of celebration that draws others into that love and fellowship. I will close with these excerpts from a brief statement of faith as our prayerful end to the sermon. We trust in God In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image to live as one community. But we rebel against God. We violate the image of God in ourselves and others. We accept lies as truth, exploit neighbor and nature, and threaten death to the planet entrusted to our care. We deserve God's condemnation. Yet... God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. Loving us still, God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant. Like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child. Like the prodigal who welcomes the son home. Like the father who welcomes the prodigal home. God is faithful still. May it be so.